Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. Welcome, welcome, welcome from wherever you are on this planet. It's great to have you on the Influencers Channel, obviously voiceamerica.com. I would hope that you'll continue to um, share this broadcast and uh, call it up on demand as a podcast with all of your friends and family members and coworkers, because I always promise to have an intriguing and a life-changing guest. I believe I've held to that standard since I've been on the air, and uh, we've had some wonderful discussions. Today, although this could be a timeless show, and it will be a timeless show, I want to specifically shout out to all of our men and women in uniforms who serve in the military because today is Veterans Day, reminding them that we as civilians know that everyone in the family, regardless of he or she is in a uniform, also serves our country and sacrifice for the benefit of all so that uh, freedom rings true. You know, you've heard me say it, and I never get tired of saying it. Uh, in, the, in the military, we give medals. Excuse me. <laughs> I, I always choke up. <clears throat> in the military, we give medals to those who are willing to sacrifice themselves so that others may live. And in the corporate world, we give bonuses to those who are willing to sacrifice others so that they may survive. And we've got it bass backwards. What the military has taught me is I've had an opportunity many times to go downrange and, and fire up and thank our combat troops in Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait, Qatar, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, Djibouti, Addis Ababa, Abramins on the Kenyan border, uh, Korea on the on the demilitarized zone, uh, other parts of Asia and Europe, Africa, and in that experience, I always meet these superstars, these special forces, these Navy SEALs, these Army Rangers, who think differently than we think. And because I'm there as a guest of the military and I get a chance to wine and dine and sleep in the barracks with all of these troops, and I'm really only speaking maybe 90 minutes in the morning, maybe 90 minutes in the afternoon, maybe we'll fly someplace and I'll do a show in the evening. But all of that time in between my shows, in between my speeches and my opportunities to to thank them and fire them up, I have some downtime where I get a chance to just go belly to belly, knee to knee with these war heroes, these individuals, these human beings who clearly think differently than the average Joe and Jill. So my question to each of you listening today and to anyone who is in the sound of my voice as a speaker, I want to ask, are these people born this way or are they made? Obviously, leadership is not a noun, it's an action verb. Standing in the front of a room and calling yourself a leader no more makes you a leader than standing in the middle of a garage makes you a truck. Obviously, we have got to understand what 
John Maxwell made famous, we don't attract who we want, we attract who we are. And in order for us to attract these extraordinary human beings into our inner circle, we have to first be that kind of an extraordinary human being. And there's no one more extraordinary than a military leader who leads so often without a title, who on the same day has to lead and follow, who perpetuates a strong belief that the purpose of a leader is to grow more leaders who believe what you believe, not generate more followers. And when we have that shared belief, we turn one another into partner leaders who turn every sales pitch into a serve pitch and lead without a title based on one principle alone, and that is self-accountability. In other words, we want to be a superstar. We want to be the best version of ourselves, not because it's expected by others, but because it's demanded of ourselves. And that brings me to our guest today. When she joins us, I want you to listen in between the lines because the only other individuals in the world, in my experience, whom I've had a chance to interview and and hang out with on an intimate basis are Olympic champions. No, I didn't say professional athletes. So many professional athletes are prima donnas, and once they get their big contract, they just put it on pro glide, as we say, and they try to live up their past laurels, and too many college and professional football and basketball and baseball teams, mostly football and basketball, they get themselves in a situation where they're ahead in the game. And then they start playing not to lose instead of with the intensity to win. And when you stop playing to win and only play not to lose, you lose the competitive advantage that we had in the first place. So when you talk to a special forces, Green Beret, Delta Force, an Army Ranger, a Navy SEAL, they believe and think in a different, higher way than we believe that coincides with the way an Olympic champion thinks and believes. Celtius, Fortius, Altius, Olympic athletes in every Olympian, in, in, in every Olympiad, believe that the world records are there to be broken. They believe that if they work harder, knowing that the only person they need to be better than is the person they were yesterday, and because they work so blooming hard, they believe that they can break the world's records. They can raise their bar every single time they walk out onto the field, the court, or skate on the ice. Army Rangers, Navy SEALs have taught me. Special Forces, Delta Forces, they've all taught me that it's not enough for us to say I will do my best. We must succeed in doing that which is necessary And in the pure words of a Navy SEAL, an armored up warrior never has to get ready. He stays ready. Oh, my goodness gracious. So as you start contemplating the answer to where do these military heroes come from? Where do these superstar Olympic champions come from? The better answer would be or the better question to find the better answer would be, 
what have they done in their lives? Who have they hung out with in their lives that have allowed them, that have invited them to think differently and walk on a higher ground, see the world through a different set of lenses? My coach always reminded me that there's nothing more insignificant than the halftime score, that you only know you're a champion when losing hurts worse than winning feels good. And that has perpetuated itself throughout my personal life and especially my professional life as a speaker and as an author and as an entertainer. So having set the tone with these different quotes that are much more than cliches, and because it's Veterans Day, let me invite all of us to start thinking differently, to look up the Army Ranger Creed on the internet knowing that it's an acronym based on R-A-N-G-E-R. And I challenge all of you to read through that Ranger Creed and then ask yourself if you have that highest standard of excellence in your life, have you created such a creed in your organization or company or corporation that holds you and your people to a higher standard? And if not, why not? And if when, why not now? And guaranteed, when you read the Army Ranger Creed and start thinking about what it takes to be a military superstar hero, to run towards the sound of the guns, you'll start thinking like an Olympic champion because they are two peas in the same pod. They think differently and they're motivated by drive and hustle and sacrifice, and hard work, willing to do the hard things, and push themselves beyond their ultimate capacity and potential as a human being. And why do they do that? Because they know that if they're not pushing themselves to their ultimate capacity and potential as a human being, someone else, somewhere else is. And when you meet him, he will win. When you meet her, she will win. So my guest today is a two-time Olympic medalist, performance coach, and owner of Fix Your Mindset. How cool is that name? Her specialty, she empowers clients to take action towards their nutrition, movement, and mindset goals. To me, that sounds like the spirit, the mind, and the body, which constitute the full, whole soul of humankind. Yeah, she's interested in inviting us and inspiring us and then teaching us with her systems of success how to eat better, how to exercise better, and how to think better. Or in her words, take action in our nutrition movement and mindset. This amazing human being, her name is Catherine Ruder Adamek. And I sure hope I pronounced that last name correctly. It's probably just Portuguese for awesome woman. We'll find out in a moment. But Catherine is a two-time Olympic medalist in the sport of short track speed skating. Whoa! Winning a silver medal and a bronze medal at the 2010 Winter Olympic Games in Vancouver, Canada. She moved to Milwaukee to coach at the Pettit National Ice Center in 2013, but after three years of coaching, Catherine decided to make a comeback for the 2018 Olympic trials. You see, my point is clear. 
These superstar individuals are not born, they are made. And once they are made, they wake up every single day believing that the only person they have to be better than is the person they were yesterday. And so they intensify their life to live in a way where they have achieved a level of significance, a level beyond success. Catherine has since retired from her Olympic Uh, team involvement and her pursuit of Olympic medals and started her own performance mindset consulting business. And as I said, it's called Fix Your Mindset. How cool, how perfect, how provocative. Catherine also shares her experience as a world-class athlete and coach to teach skills specific to nutrition, functional movement, and performance mindset. As I said, obviously, as a keynote speaker, we'll find out how we can join her tribe, how we can get involved with her world, how we can hire her, hopefully individually and as a company, to coach us up to the next level so we too can start thinking like an Olympic champion. I know she's on the phone right now. Let's go to our first commercial break to pay for this time. This is Dan Clark on voiceamerica.com. Yes, it's the Influencers Channel. Gather all of your friends and family and coworkers around as we come back on the air in just a minute. My guest, two-time Olympic medalist, Catherine Ruder Adamek. Be back in a sec. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. 
If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Yeah, welcome back. As I said before we went to break, my guest is Catherine Reuter Adamek. And uh, what a fascinating uh, woman this, 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 this human being is. As I said, she's a two-time Olympic medalist, performance coach, and now owner of Fix Your Mindset. Catherine, welcome to my show. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. The coolest thing, ladies and gentlemen, is that she is an active coach married to a hockey coach in an ice rink uh, in Milwaukee right now who slipped away into the weight room so she could find a quiet place to talk to us. I am so impressed. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, I do tend to live in an ice rink, and I'm very lucky to be based out of the Pettit National Ice Center in Milwaukee. So, it can be hard to find a quiet corner. We have so many, well, mostly skating sports, but so many sports and so many athletes out of this facility that, yeah, sometimes it can definitely be hard to find a nice quiet corner. Well, it kind of leads into something that I've always taught from, from the stage and in my books, that we become the average of the five people we associate with the most, which means we must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate with extraordinary human beings. So just the fact that you, as you say, almost live in the gym, almost live in the Pettit National Ice Center, that you're always and constantly surrounded by people who want to go bigger, faster, stronger, who want to be better today than they were yesterday. Oh my gosh, this, this is, there's not a better dra- uh, backdrop for this, for this interview, my friend. I mean, you, you are naturally thinking differently because you're constantly surrounding yourself with people who think differently. Congratulations. So teach us how we can do that when we don't actually work in a gym, when we don't actually work with high-performance athletes. Well, I mean, I think one, one key factor is just learning that it's okay to be picky. Um, and actually, I'll, I just want to add on to what you just said about you being the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I have a group of girlfriends that we are very, we organized our group specifically because of that, specifically because we're like, man, I mean, I've got my two or three people at the center of my group that I see every day, but I want to be conscious and aware of like, who are the, who's going to round out my five? And we purposely reached out to each other and said, I want you in my five. Let's make sure that at least once a month we're getting together. Um, And that's kind of, that's, that's kind of what it takes. You have to be aware of who's in your five. But then you also, you get to be picky. You get to say, like, who do I admire? Who do I want to spend my time with? And then be really clear about who's in your circle. Um, I wow. just spoke with uh, the communications director at USB Skating the other day, and we were doing an interview for a podcast, and she asked me a similar question. But what I said to her was, as an athlete, I was very picky about I still am. Who gets to live in my inner circle? And the one, the very first and really most important question that I ask is, does this person believe in me even on the days when I don't believe in myself? Because we all have bad days. I would be lying to you if even as a performance coach, I told you that I had performance mindset every minute of every day. And so when I'm picky and I'm looking for who's in my top five, I'm looking for the people who are going to help pick me up even when I'm down and, and I don't know if I can pick myself up on that day. 
I love it. <clears throat> we could refer to this as as organizing your own personal board of directors. So let yep. me just let me del- delve into your into your heart into your mind a little bit. So you are picky on who you choose to invite into your inner circle. Let's talk about some of their qualities, some of their character traits that have caused them to stand out so that you do choose one another. You say you want yeah, somebody I mean, who like, believes in you when you don't believe in yourself. <clears throat> but there are there, there's yeah. got to be some let, let's dissect that for a minute and dive even deeper into what what you're looking for, what attracts you. Like we said at the very beginning of the show, we don't attract who we want, we attract who we are. For sure. Um I think that it's like I'll, I'll go back to just that first thing that it's hard to be picky because um there if you're if you're not super aware on how you're communicating, that can come off as a little bit rude because it's certainly not that there are people who aren't invited, but it's very much that um, it shouldn't happen by accident. It shouldn't be this default of like, well, this person just happens to be in my corner most often, so therefore they, they're in the corner. I mean, if that person's there for you all the time, it's very likely that they are, they're the right person they're, that should be in your corner, but sometimes you, you get to be picky. You say, does this coach really have my best interests in mind, or are they everybody has their own interests in mind, which is totally fair, you know, as, as you should, but a true, in my opinion, a true high performance professional goes one step further and says, it's not about me being right. It's not about me getting what I want or saying that I get to, that I've worked with this amazing athlete. It's about how do I eliminate myself from the equation and purely look at this from the athlete standpoint, or, I mean, I don't only work with athletes. I work with CEOs, um, executives. I, I do a lot of public speaking and, of course, I want to do my best to bring value to my message. But at the same time, like, I don't go in with a written script. I'm in there to, to meet the, the person I'm working with that day, to meet the person where they are at and coach them from that place. And at that point, um, it's, almost none of it has to do with about me and what I want. It has everything to do with the person I'm working with and what they need to get to the next level. And so, I mean, I, I, I know that maybe that's a little bit vague, but that's what I'm talking about. You know, who's no. in your circle that is, if they don't care what they're going through right now, they really care about you and getting you to the point where you can be the best self and contribute to your group in a way that, that best suits you. That's so awesome. So from a marketing perspective, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm hearing Catherine say is that you actually can track her down and invite her to be one of your top five as a performance coach. <clears throat> But I would suspect that you're very selective on the on the uh, clients that you take, so it goes both ways. So how does someone get a hold of you, Catherine? We're going to continue this interview, obviously, but right now, how does somebody get a hold of you to hire you as their personal or 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 organizational performance coach? So the easiest way is definitely going to be through email. Um, Catherine at fixyourmindset.com is the best email for me. If you want more information, I would definitely encourage your listeners to go on to fixyourmindset.com. You can email me directly through the website, but you can also get more insight into like specifically what is it that I do, um, how long might it, might it take, and what are the options as far as one-on-one coaching, small group coaching, or group-style workshops. And keynote speaking. And keynote speaking, of course. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's dive into your past. So how how young were you when you finally realized that you thought like an Olympic champion? I mean, there's a specific 
there has to be a specific time in your life where the where the light switch clicked on and you wait and you said, wait a minute, I can be one of them. I can I can overcome any obstacle and be be a world champ. When did you start thinking like this? So at my first World Cup, um, I think I was I think I was eighteen. Um, I got my butt handed to me. <laughs> I made a I made a B final, so I finished in the top twelve for the weekend, which was really quite well done for an eighteen year old who's never competed internationally before. But then when I actually got to the B final. Um, I found out that I was a small fish in a big pond, and I probably got last place by at least a quarter of a lap, uh, maybe even half a lap. And uh, back in the day of calling cards, um, we were in Asia, we, we were in China, and I had brought a calling card with me, and I called my grandpa, and I just told him how upset I was and how frustrated and far behind I felt. And my lack of success didn't phase him at all. He asked me, yeah, Catherine, but do you think you can get them? Do you think you can close the gap? Do you think you can do better next time? And I had to think about it because at that moment, all I'd been thinking about was I failed, right? Like, oh, my God, what if I can't? And he asked me, wait a minute, what if you can? Do you think you can? And it took me a while of thinking before I finally answered, you know what, Grandpa, I, I do. I do think I can. I do think I'm close enough that I can be better next time. And that was really the shift, you know, not judging myself from where I was at, but looking forward and saying, can I be better? What, what do I do? How do I get there? And once I kind of stopped doing the poor me thing and uh, started looking at it more objectively, more like a lesson to be learned, I think that was the shift in mindset that I needed to start competing competitively at the international level. Wow, what a great story. So how early on in your life did you choose, you know, skating and then speed skating and then short track speed skating? Tell us about when that began for you. So I started, I learned how to skate when I was just a toddler. I learned on a little pair of roller skates that the wheels barely even rolled, but didn't matter because, you know, I was too young to know a difference. But I at least learned how to stand and balance and, and push to the side. Um, and then shortly after I could do that, my mom got us into a figure skating class at the U of I Ice Arena down in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. Um, and that's where I learned how to skate on ice, but I wasn't, I was a tomboy, so I wasn't really great with wearing the sequins and the, the dresses and always smiling. And what I really loved to do was just go fast. So that turned into a pretty natural segue into speed skating. Um, and I was, I think I was five at this time. Um, and then over the years, my parents were great. They put me in so many sports. I had something to be a part of probably every night of the week. But as I grew older, things would start to conflict, and you'd have to start taking on more than one day a week if you wanted to keep up with your, your peers in any of these individual sports. And so over time, nothing ever beat out speed skating. Um, if there was a conflict with a meet or a practice or a weight room workout, well, I would drop whatever sport was conflicting and focus a little more clearly on speed skating until eventually speed skating was all that was left. So that's a message for non-athletes, find our passion. How would you coach us on this program to to find something that we truly love that's worth waking up early and staying up late? I remember I taught myself how to play the guitar when I was in the third grade. I'm so much older than you. you know. I, I was raised on the Beatles. <laughs> and I got to the point where 
I would talk to, to my peers. I even to this day talk to young people and they say, I hated my mom always, you know, forcing me to practice the piano. I hated these lessons. And I got to the point uh-huh. where my parents had to tell me to stop practicing. And it sounds like that's what happened to you. So what advice do you give to parents to help their children find their passion so that they, they want to do it instead of doing it for them? They want to do it for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that my parents did for me was just exposed me to a lot of things. Um, and I think another piece of it is realizing that you're not supposed to be good at everything. And it's not, it doesn't say anything against you to not be good at something. And so, hey, I, I wasn't great at gymnastics. I, I wasn't passionate about softball. Like, no matter how bad my dad wanted me to be a track star, um, and I didn't mind track, but I just physically wasn't wasn't very good. And it would be really easy to, to have had failure in those other sports early on in my life and said, oh, like maybe I'm not that good enough. Maybe I'm not really an athlete. And to start developing that negative self-talk when, like I said, my parents were just great about, okay, well, so you're not a track star. No big deal. What do you like? What do you want to do instead? And they really let me decide based on my passion, what that was going to be. So the downside is that there's nothing I can say. There's no way to coach you on finding your passion other than you got to go do it. You have to go try all the things that, that you think possibly interest you. And then the second piece is whether you're an athlete or just generally in life, I don't know that we are terribly good at following our intuition, um, just that kind of to generalize society as a whole we tend to have this gut instinct that tells us what to do, but we need to come up with an argument in our head that supports our gut instinct before we can actually take action and move forward there. And I think that that's a little bit backwards. I think that if your body's giving you a gut instinct, like it's telling you something for a reason and you don't need to know the reason, but you do need to move forward and explore deeper. So, you know, I mean, if you love singing or you love acting, you don't have to know, like, okay, well, I want to go to this school, which means they need to practice this many hours a week, and na 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 na. The path is not clear, but your body's telling you clearly that this is something you love to do. Follow that, chase that, listen to it. Wow. So let's go right to the Olympic Games. So how do you how do you deal with the butterflies? How do you how do you how do you fix your mindset prior to one of the biggest races of your life? Tell us what went on and how you dealt with it and then how you rose to the occasion to, to win a medal. So I have a great friend who said, he asked me once, he said, what's, how do you know if someone's an expert or maybe whatever? Um, how does someone become an expert? Maybe that's what it, the question was. But the answer was, it's the person who's failed the most times and just doesn't quit. And that's kind of how I feel about my 2010 experience. I don't feel that that was a huge success for me in terms of managing my mindset, um, but it was the, the opportunity to learn. I have a teammate I grew up with named Travis, and he would say, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. And um, I got a lot of experience in the 2010 Olympic Games. Um, so the competition goes for two weeks. So I would say I got about 13 days of experience, and then finally on the last day of competition, I finally got what I wanted, which was an individual Olympic medal. Um, but to answer your question about, like, how do you manage the nerves, like I said, I, I learned through experience that in, in all of my distances prior to the individual race that I ended up winning my medal in, like, okay, well, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. 
And finally, on the last day, I was unbelievably nervous, and I went to my sports psychologist, and she said to me that, said, you know, the games are going to be over, and you can't control that. The only thing you can control is how you manage yourself between now and then. And kind of give, what she was really doing was giving me permission to not have to control the outcome, but to recognize that if I don't control what I can control in this situation, I'm not going to be very happy with the outcome or with the way that I managed myself leading up to that point. So from there, it was really learning how to drown out the noise, how to drown out the expectations and the fear of failure and just say, the only thing I control today is how I manage myself. So let me make sure that I'm being the best I can be. And honestly, that was the best day I could have raced the entire two weeks. I'm sad it took me a whole two weeks to figure out how to do that. At least I learned it before it was too late. Yeah, and then as Einstein said, once the, the mind once stretched can never uh, revert back to its original condition. So once you figured that out, you were suddenly, you, you stepped up about three steps and now you never will fall back again. Now you learn through your experience of of this millet this 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 championship mindset. That's basically what you're saying, right? That you can't coach results. You can only coach behavior. Behavior is really really predicated on your belief, your attitude. You can't always control what happens, but you can always control what happens next. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And the thing is that I think a lot of people, when we don't know what to do next, it's so easy to get overwhelmed and. Even if you're being very, very busy in your pursuit of excellence, um, being, being active versus being productive are different things. And so sometimes you do have to live in that space of maybe I don't know what to do next, but I do know that what I'm doing right now isn't working. So whether the next thing I try works or not doesn't matter, but it would be a mistake to keep on doing what isn't working. And I think that's what my sports bike was, was really pointing out to me that day that hey, you've had all these tries already and they didn't work, don't live there. Don't stop now. Like, keep finding new ways to keep trying. Um, And so, yeah, process over performance. A great process doesn't guarantee a great performance, but a great performance doesn't guarantee a great process either. And at the end of the day, it's having a process that you love and people that help you get there uh, I mean, so I, I had some great success in 2010. I had a fantastic performance, and I got to feel what it's like to really, truly achieve your goals. And I, I would be totally lying if I didn't say that up until that point in my life, that was, that was the best day I'd ever had. Um, but the uh-huh. thing is that people and process are what got me there. I'm thankful mm-hmm. that I had the great performance, but if I look back, I couldn't, I couldn't trade the people in the process for the good performance, not even 1%. It's, it's the people in my life and the lessons that I learned along the way that gave me the opportunity to perform the way that I did. And so now when I coach, of course we want to perform well. Of course we want to win our games. Or Again, it doesn't have to be athletes. We all want to achieve our goals and feel this life of purpose and value and success. Um, but that's kind of... You can't live there. You can only hope to visit every once in a while. You live in the people and the process, and that's why I'm so passionate about developing those things. That is so profound. Uh, I, I want to go to a commercial break, but I want to have you back if you'll stay on 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 online. I want to bring bring you back to talk specifically about. Uh, 
the skills that, that help us with our nutrition are functional movement. I like those words, whatever they mean, and performance <laughs> mindset. So my guest is Catherine Adamek, and she's a two-time Olympic medalist, performance coach, and owner of Fix Your Mindset in the 2010 winter. I was on the Olympic Committee in 2002. I live here in the mountains of Utah, obviously. So uh, I just am so fascinated by Olympic champions like you and the way you think and the way you live and the way you breathe and the way you, you, you sleep, probably. So this is an honor to have you on my show, Catherine. I want to take this commercial well, thank break. Now you're amazing already. Uh, my, my listeners, I'm sure they're just blown away. This is uh, voiceamerica.com. Obviously, it's the influencers channel and one of the great influencing performance coaches that I've had on my show since I've been on the air day one is Catherine Adamek. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number. 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Back with my guest, Catherine Reuter Adamek, and she's a two-time Olympic medalist, performance coach, owner of Fix Your Mindset. As we go into the last segment of this show, I uh, I know you listeners have been fascinated. I hope you've been taking some copious notes about her 
understanding and teaching us about the difference between process, people, and performance. And one of the things that you said that has already changed my life forever, Catherine, is that your performance comes and goes. Sometimes you're only invited to play in that space of championship performance for a short time, but the people that you meet that help you along the way and the process that you go through to help you become the best version of yourself, they endure forever. And I appreciate you teaching all of us that. So in the last few minutes, let's talk about fix your mindset. Let's talk about uh, you as a world-class athlete helping us to focus in on nutrition, functional movement, and performance mindset. Take it away. Yeah, well, so I, I do, I do, when I do performance coaching, I work on strength, conditioning, and nutrition, which also includes assessments of a client's um, range of motion, as well as just um, functional movement patterns. And so what I mean by that is, um, functionally, you're never going to walk up to something heavy that you have to lift, set up like you're in front of a bar doing a deadlift, and take all your breaths and have chalk on your hands, like, it's never going to be just like that. So the functional side is learning how do I move my body healthily and safely and avoid injury and, and get stronger. Um, and same with nutrition. Um, in a lab, it's easy to say, yeah, okay, 300 calories here and all, this much fat, protein, and carbs. But the reality is that the world is not, it's not predictable and it's not a textbook. And so that's where mindset comes in and teaching people how to how to make their decisions mindfully, how to bring perp- how to put purpose behind their decisions. Um, and I just started working with a client about a week ago, and she told me, "Hey, when it comes to nutrition, I've read every book, I follow every influencer on social media, but I I still can't keep the weight from piling back on." And what I told her was. Because it's not, it's not the tangible thing. If, if, it, if life was as simple as a textbook, you know, eat this, not that. That's, that's pretty obvious. It's deeper than that. It's, um, are you escaping through your food? Or are you, are you managing stress through food? Or are you so frustrated and annoyed and living in the future or the past to the point where you're not being thoughtful in your decisions? Um, and I say the same thing to athletes because I had a saying when I was skating the first time is a learning opportunity, but the second time is a mistake. And if you start turning your back on those things that kind of hurt your feelings and you miss the chance to learn the lesson for next time, that's not, that's not black and white. I mean, the opportunity to learn is very gray, and it requires you to go inward and to be comfortable with yourself, to not take failure personally, and to think on a bigger picture, like how really, truly, how can I be honest with myself and, and get better next time? Wow. So let's dive into the world of Olympic champions, Olympic athletes. Do they put you on a specific diet and they, re- and they, 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 they measure you as far as what you eat, what you cannot eat? Do they ask you to, to come up with a, with a specific perfect body weight? I mean, how regulated are you as an athlete once you sign up? basically, once they choose you to be uh, America's representative? You know, I didn't have very strict meal plans written for me, um, but I did have very strict performance goals set for me. I was expected to stay under 12% body fat with over 50 kilograms of lean muscle mass. And that, that, re- that is where I performed the best. Um, so I, I could break my body down into data points in that way, 
But then at the same time, like, I had to learn how to be very intuitive because my, my nutritionist would recommend way more protein than I ever felt like I could eat in a day. Um, and there was a point we had a different nutritionist who wanted me to be having three times as many carbs as I was currently having in a day. And I definitely don't take away from this idea that there is a, a right, a quote-unquote, right way that things need to be done. Um, but I think I do my clients a disservice when I treat them like a textbook. So my questions for my, when I'm working with someone is, how do you know when you're full? How do you listen to your cravings? I mean, especially my female athletes, and, I, and I'm the same way. At the end of the day, I'm craving sweets so bad. Well, so let's look at that. Are you, are you restricting your carbs during the day? And is that leading you to crave simple sugar at night? And so often when I'm working with a client, it's not, you know, it's not what else can we take out of your diet. It's what are you restricting so heavily that's leading to your cravings? Let's start to supplement that back in in a whole food form instead of at the end of the day you craving. Uh, If you're short on protein and you're starting to crave chicken wings at 8 p.m. at night, I mean... On the one hand, there's, there's room for that in your life if you're going out with your friends and maybe that's something you guys like to do together. But if it's not this conscious choice, if it's something that is happening by accident instead of on purpose, we can go through that from a mindset perspective and say, how do I bring more purpose and more intention to my meal choices? And if I'm craving sweets or I'm craving junk food at night, what have I missed during the day that I need to be uh, supporting myself with? That doesn't always even mean nutrients sometimes like are you taking care of yourself are you really genuinely feeling fulfilled in your life because if you're not you're not going to feel full at the end of your meals either um and i think that there's there's so much more than the black and white of calories and macros and it has so much more to do with teaching people how to be in tune and learn what's best for them I love it. So I think every morning when I wake up, I'm just going to have two Snickers bars to get it out of the way so I don't crave it at 8 o'clock at night. This is such a great, great philosophy. I love it. Or you could try some peanut butter toast, some whole wheat bread with some, you know, really simple organic peanut butter, some honey and some cinnamon. And you've got all, you've got the sweetness you need in the honey, the protein you need in the peanut butter. You could put a banana on top. You've got... You've got complex carbs, simple carbs, and I mean, there, there are these easy substitutions or trades that we can make, and hey, if you still want a Snickers, have a bite-sized one at the end of the day, that's fine, but we can support your body with better choices before it gets to the point of, oh my God, I'm, I'm so tired, I'm so low energy, I'm so hungry, give me the Snickers bar. Like, I love it, my gosh. planning ahead. <laughs> uh, there you go, that's worth, that's that's worth, you know, don't send me an invoice for that advice, but that was actually profound. I got a buddy who's overweight, and he always says to the doctor, hey, doctor, you don't understand. You know, this this is a medical problem, and the doctor has a great sense of humor. He says, no, the only medical problem you have is that your body retains too much chocolate fudge cake. That's the problem. <laughs> and he's like, doc, you don't well, understand. I- no, one, no one runs in my, I mean, he says, you know, obesity runs in my family. And the doctor says, no, no one runs in your family. This is funny. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that, that kind of goes back to you're not a textbook. Hey, if you're, if you naturally hold a bigger body size than the person sitting next to you, what happens is that we start to create judgment around that. We start to think, what does that say about me? Does that mean I, I don't have willpower? Does that mean I lack discipline? Well, 
if you're sitting around thinking to yourself, well, I'm not thin enough and I'm so lazy and I don't have discipline and I lack willpower and gosh darn it, just give me the Snickers already. I mean, you're, you're feeding, you're feeding your, your body those thoughts that then support your negative food choices. There's a different way to think, right? There's, there doesn't have to be any judgment attached. And I just think that, that again, we miss the chance by, by trying to have, by trying to, to meet this, ideal of perfection um we actually make it worse because no one's perfect and that's one of my favorite things to to teach my youth clients is that perfect isn't real think of the most perfect person that you know and the reality is that they're they're not perfect like they have success about one percent of the time which is about how much everybody else has percent Mm -hmm. i'm sorry how about how much everyone else has success it's just yeah. that the other 99% of the time, they're not beating themselves up about it. They're just continuing on with their people and their process, and 1% of the time, performance gets to happen. Um, and so perfect isn't real. It's the passionate pursuit of perfection that is real. And the sooner well, you can let go of that finish line, thinking you're going to get there one day, the sooner you can really get in deep and passionate with your process. I love it. Okay, so here's the last question. We'll take us right to the end. And you have plenty of time, five minutes to to, to explain. So okay. most of the the average person in America obviously is obese. I mean, it's just it just it's so gross how people have just let themselves go. They don't make physical education a mandatory class anymore in a lot of the schools, most of the public schools in our country. So what you're saying here, Catherine, is well, no, my question, based on what you just said, which was so provocative, everybody probably thinks that the only way that they could hire someone like you is if they're already walking on higher ground, if they're already in great shape, if they already are 12% body fat, if they're already to a 50, 52% uh, muscle, blah, blah, blah. What, what, what do you specialize in? Do you specialize in high-performance individuals who are already at a specific level and they just want to take it to the next level or can you just get some fat slob off the street and help them with their nutrition with their functional movement and with their performance mindset to suddenly start appreciating the real human being that they are and the potential that they have to better themselves instead of just letting themselves go yeah i the the answer isn't as black and white as as i even i wish that it was I like to help high achievers perform at the next level. And it doesn't really matter to me where we start with that because whether you're already at the top of the world or if you're just getting started, the strategy is the same. We're going to try to do one thing better every day. And especially when we get started, that one thing, we'll probably practice that one thing for a week. And maybe if we struggle with it that first week, we're still going to keep working on that one thing the next week. But Again, whether we're going from, you know, trying to be top 10 in the world to first in the world, or we're going for just simple um, purpose, more purpose in our life, more passion behind our pursuit of perfection, um, we're going to start the same way. We're going to assess your mindset. We're going to assess your nutrition. We're going to assess the way that you move. Um, We'll probably, as we go on, look at your relationships because, the way that I know that my coaching is really making an impact is when my clients start to tell me about changes they see in their relationships. And, and that's mindset work at its best, 
when you start to slow down your thoughts to the point where not only do you start making better choices for yourself, but you slow down your thoughts to the point where you really start to see people. You start to connect with people and start to understand what people need, even without being told what they need. Um, that's where true connection comes from. And I, I know I keep going back to it, but it's, it's process and people. And so the first part of mindset is diving into your own process. People are already impacting you in your process, whether you know it or not. But then the, the next level of that is you becoming the person that impacts someone else's process. And that's powerful. You don't, you don't need a gold medal to feel that. Um, I remember after the 1,500 meters in 2010, I was by far a favorite to get a gold there. It was between me and, and one, maybe two other girls. And I made a mistake early on in the race, and I was uh, just totally goofed it up. I, I, I crumbled under pressure. I was in last place with four laps to go, and um, I did my best. I finished in fourth. So one spot out from a medal, and I was so incredibly uh, speechless and disappointed. And my whole family was in Vancouver with me, and I was, I was going to see my family the next day, and my mom came to get me from the apartment I was staying at at the village, and she walked me to the car where all my family was, and I felt like I was going to have a panic attack with every step closer to the car that we got. Cause, and I asked her, like, are they mad at me? I mean, are, people, are, you, are you guys disappointed in me? What does dad think? Because um, my dad was my coach, and um, I, I just care so much what my, what my dad thinks about me. And she, of course, encouraged me, like, no, we love you. We're proud of you. Everything's fine. But I was still scared, and I got in the car, and, and I was crying, and my dad started crying. And, um, and my thought process, before I'd learned how to slow down my thoughts, my fast thoughts told me, He's so disappointed with you. He's so upset. He's crying. Look at how mad you made him. And at that moment, he turned around in the car seat and he said, I'm so proud of you. You did every single thing that you could. You never stopped trying. And like you, you, how could I possibly be upset? I'm so proud of you. And that is the pinnacle of people in process. I hadn't even had my performance yet but I had had the opportunity to have someone else connect with me on a level so much deeper than a gold medal could ever connect with anyone. Gold medals don't connect. People connect. And um, like I said, performance is a great thing. You'll definitely get there 1% of the time. But learning how to manage yourself and how to develop your relationships with others, that other 99%, that's where true purpose comes from. I love it. This has been so amazing. Catherine Adamek. Tell us one more time in a couple of seconds. How do we get a hold of you? How do we join your tribe? How do we hire you as a motivational speaker, which is going to be my goal once we get off the air? Holy cow, you're amazing. Uh, you've <laughs> inspired you. me. Please. I'm in tears. Uh, the story with your dad just brought Aww. me to tears. So just teach us one last time how to get a hold of us. I mean, how to get a hold of you. And then we'll sign off and you yeah. and I will exchange numbers off the air. If you're listening, please do join my tribe. Please do get in touch with me. Let's collaborate. Please. Um, go to my website, fixyourmindset.com. Email me, Catherine at fixyourmindset.com. Or check me out on Instagram at Kat Adamick. Uh, again, please reach out. I love to collaborate. I love to hear other people's stories and to be a part of more people's processes. So I can't wait to hear from some of your listeners. And I also can't wait to talk more offline with you. 
Thanks, Catherine. Catherine Adamek, two-time Olympic medalist, performance coach, and owner of Fix Your Mindset. Join her tribe. Today's Veterans Day. Remember our military superstars who also think like Olympic champions. They believe in something larger than themselves that's worth working their guts out to achieve. God bless us all. God bless America. Until next week, this is Dan Clark, Voice America Influencers Channel. And join my tribe at danclark.com. Have a good one. Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success.